right it's the Allen Network I'm Miss Allenette that was Mahid Jordan and the song is called Superstar and Mahid Jordan is out here just selling dreams to women <laughs> some say Majid Jordan I say Mahid you know to each his own it's spelled m-a-j-i-d jordan i really like i guess they're a group i thought it was just one person but i went and researched them and it's like two dudes so i guess it's like a group on that thing but um yeah superstar mahid some say majid jordan it's the Allen Network, uh, Miss Allenette, and um i'm gonna keep this intro really really short because um the interview that I have on the podcast today is uh, a little lengthy. Um, it, it just happened that uh, me and this person just started vibing and talking, and it, it turns out that he's a good talker. <laughs> you know, he was just uh, literally like running his mouth, and I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh 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 oh, oh yeah, y- you're right, you're right, you're right." So it's one of those interviews. Um, I have on with me today, um, digital marketer. Eric Rebello, and he is, you know, going to give you tips if you are um, a small business or you are a business, not even a small one. Um, he is a person that will come into your business and give you a digital marketing on Facebook, um, YouTube. Uh, he'll hook you up on Google. He'll hook you up on YouTube to get you the resources that you need, just get you out there and promote you. Um, I think it's really awesome, the information that he gives you um, about uh, Instagram and the trends of social media. I think it's a really important interview for you to listen to if you're a person that markets yourself a lot on social media platforms. He gives a lot of information about that. So keep it right here to the Allen Network for that interview with Eric Rebello, and that's spelled... um, E-R-I-C-R-E-B-E-L-O, Eric Rebello. Tall dude, good dude. We talk a lot, and it's a good interview, so stay tuned for the Allen Network for that. But I also wanted to give you an update, a little bit about <laughs> what is going on right now. If a lot of people out there are feeling unrest, um, I haven't really slept good in the last 
three nights um, because you might not agree, but I don't give a damn what you feel. Okay. This is me and this is how I feel. And I'll keep repeating this over and over again. Don't tell me that the Zodiac don't affect us. Okay. Because um, I say that if the, the oceans, the seas, the wind can be affected by the moon. Don't tell me that my little speck of dust that I am on this great planet, on this great blue ball, cannot be affected by the moon and the planetary system. So, yes, I believe in all the zodiac stuff because I just feel like I'm connected to the planet and Mother Earth and what she's going through. And I really feel connected to her. Because I, I just I just really think about um, the Earth being a living organism, a living organism, like I am a living organism, like a dog is a living organism, like a tree is a or a living organism, like um, a cat is a living organism, a roach is a living organism, and we're all like literally roaches, you know, just living on this big, beautiful ball that rotates around the sun. So if this planet, the planet Earth is affected by the sun, is affected by the moon, is affected by everything that goes on in the universe, why am I not affected by those things? So let me tell you, you know, Mercury retrograde is going on right now and it ends on the 20th. Man, I'm telling you right now, I, I've been reading so much about the Mercury retrograde and what the Mercury retrograde under Scorpio has been doing to people. And everything that it's saying, everything that I've read has been true for me, just about how the old is coming back to visit you and you have to do your best to sort through it, make peace with it, make peace with your past. And, um, you know, the things that don't need to be in your life, you need to push it out and, and even um, make peace with your past or, um, you know, what do, I mean, what are you going to say? Uh, I'm sorry, y'all, it's Taco Tuesday and I've, I've been Taco Tuesdaying. Tuesdaying <laughs> with hella tequila shots because I, I just been feeling away. Like I had to um, make some peace with some things and, um, you know, anxiety is real. And I feel like I, I needed my girls and I needed some time to just talk about the things that are going on in my life and trying to figure it out. I've been running around and trying to make things happen for the Black College Expo. That's this, this Saturday in, uh, at Sac State in Sacramento. So I've been running around and trying to make things happen for that and just get the word out and get community involvement for the Black College Expo. If you, you want more information about that and when it's coming to your city, go to the collegeexpo.org to see more information about that. But it's this Saturday in Sacramento, November 23rd. So I've been running around and trying to make connections for that. And it's funny, along the way, I've met some incredible people. And then, you know, you know how you go randomly to places and you just run into people that you know and you're like, okay, I know that the Lord is putting this person in my path for a reason. I went to a coffee shop today and ran into 
two people that I knew in the same coffee shop that I, you know, like randomly, you know, so I know that the Lord is, is lining people up for the benefit of me, you know, in my path. So, um, shout out to Justin from humble root. It's a delivery service of, you know, medicinal marijuana products here in Sacramento. And also my girl, Megan, I ran into her. I used to work with her at Entrevision. Now she works for ABC 10. So that was pretty cool to see those two people in the same environment in a, in a short amount of time. I was like, wow, what are you doing here? And you know, that just makes you go, oh, okay. The, the Lord is just lining people up. The divine is just setting people in your path for a reason, just to send affirmation to you, you know, to affirm that you're on the right path. So I, I see that. I see that. So, um, yeah, so the Black College Expo is this Saturday. And, you know, in the meantime, you know, like it's it's the Mercury retrograde is going on right now. It'll be over November 20th. But I wanted to read this to you. It's like an energy update about what is going on for all you people that believe and, you know, like feel it. You know, like the Mercury retrograde is a real thing. I'm, I'm sorry, but I've just had so many people pop up from my past, you know, it's like, and I have a thing with 11, the number 11, and I have a thing with three. So I've had the number 1133 pop up on me which is crazy. So I have a number, I have a thing with threes. I have a thing with 11. Um, my actual name ends up equaling to one, which is like the divine number. And then you put those two together, it's 11. And then three, you know, I've had, I, I can explain to you about the number three and what it lines up in my life. But 1133 was my grandmother's address in Oxnard which is my home, you know, like whenever I have a dream about a place that I feel safe, it's always at my grandmother's home. So yeah, I don't know if you feel it, but I definitely feel this mercury retrograde and everything. So I just want to give you an energy update. So it says here, I'm reading from Elion, Eliona, Divine Healing. And she says, it is intense out there. The energy is pushing everyone up to a whole new level. All chakras are affected, especially the crown, third eye, throat, and sacral chakras. Now, I lead with my throat chakra because I am a, a person that speaks, you know, that is my, um, that is my, my uh, tool that is my um, what I use to communicate and what I use to actually um, lead in this world is my throat chakra. You know, I speak. Um, so it is exhausting. <laughs> and many of you may feel like sleeping so your body can reset with the new energies. Some of you may be reality dimensional hopping with no control in dream state. So your dreams might be kind of crazy and you're just like moving all around and, and the divine is revealing all of these things to you in the subconscious. So eat light and ground yourself as your frequency rises. There will be many things that will come into play to pull you down. 
Mercury retrograde brings people and their dramas from the past. Oh, my God. So many people from the past has popped up. And again, that number three, three people from my past have popped up. Three, three, three. Okay. Um, Don't get sucked into their pettiness. You are not your ego. Block, delete, cut the cord, walk away. Block, delete, cut the cord, walk away. Block, delete, cut the cord, walk away. You are a child of light. Shine your light and rise. So if you, you know that you are consistently like, uh, vibrating on a whole nother level and these people from your past come in to your life and are trying to bring your vibrational level down and you feel that in your soul and there is so much resistance you're just like oh hell no why are you stop I'm gonna need you to get out of my life and go on and do you. And it doesn't mean that you don't love this person. I mean, I know that a lot of times, like in our in our lives, we really love someone and we and we want to see them do well. So we allow them back in our life. Maybe a lot of times it's because of that we need closure. And that's what this Mercury retrograde is giving you. Closure. They're bringing them back. So that you can go, oh, honey, you're not going to change. I see that. I'm aware of that. I send you light. I send you love. But I can't. Excuse my French. And, you know, I don't excuse my French because I'll be cussing. But I can't fuck with you. (laughs) I just can't have you in my life because we're not vibrating on the same level. Like, we're just not, you know. And... You disturb my peace. And that is another key to self-love right there. When someone disturbs your peace, when someone is just determined to misunderstand you and not, and you know, it's not your job to ask somebody to change. You can't ask them to change. Or you can't force them to change. You just have to accept them for who they are. And you can accept them, but that does not mean that they need to be a part of your life. Because it just disturbs your peace. So that's where I am in the Mercury retrograde. It'll be over November 20th. How do you feel? Evaluate. Think about it. And you know, a lot of people say, get out of your, get, get out of your feelings. Get out of your bag. Nah, man. Get in there. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. Get in there. Yeah, yeah. Get in your bag, okay? Get in there and like really evaluate what you're feeling, why you're feeling that way, and dig in and feel those feelings and know that they are emotions and they were past. But you have to get in there and deal with those feelings and understand why you're having those feelings and really, you know, just take that moment. You know, sometimes it's a couple of days before those feelings pass. But, you know, get in there and really feel those emotions. I need you to do that because if you bury them underneath work or whatever else you're feeling, it just it, it work, um, partying, um, 
going out and having tequila shots with your friends. You know, you just ain't dealing with those feelings. But I need you to get in there and deal with it. Deal with those emotions. It's just energy passing through. And once you deal with them and really dig in and figure out what is it that you're feeling and why you feel that way and what it is, you know, then it'll pass and it'll stay gone or it'll get less and less and less until you really understand and love yourself. And then the feelings will stay gone and you'll learn the lesson, right? That's all that the drama that you're feeling is all lessons that you need to learn. And until you learn those lessons, it'll keep popping back up. So get in there, dig in and understand what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. Okay. Okay. Now, um, like I said, um, I have digital marketer on the podcast today, Eric Rebello, um, E R I C R E B E L O Eric Rebello. Um, he's going to give you lots of tips and tools on how to market your business. You know, this is all about the Allen network is all about self-improvement and how you can better yourself. And I'm just trying to give you all the tools that you need to better yourself by sharing other people's stories and what their definition of success is. And it'll help you understand what your definition of success is. Okay. So digital marketer, Eric Ribello is on the Allen network coming up after this, but I wanted to share one song with you, um, from a homeboy. He's my homeboy. Um, I've known him for a long time and, I'm really super duper proud of him. You know, like I, I mean, I've been rocking with him for a minute, right? I've been rocking with him for a minute, right? But, um, this la this new song that he just put out, I'm so proud of him for this record, you know? And, um, it just speaks on to, you know, what folks is going through and, I just see him like growing up as an artist and a musician and speaking, you know, like his progression as an artist and seeing him growing from like, you know, he's still, he's still the turn up, you know, he still like to turn up and stuff. But this record right here is just the progression of DMAC, him growing up and really putting out a record that is like, speaking on something, you know, not just turning up and, and shaking, shaking ass and stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to shaking ass, you know what I'm saying? Or yiking it or nothing like that. But I'm really proud of him for this record. I really, and if I was interested in radio right now, I'd be on a PD's neck for playing this record right here. <laughs> and you know what? When a record comes out that I love, you know, a PD hates Miss Alanette because I'll be on their neck tough because I believe I am truly a tastemaker. You know, I have rocked with Jeremiah. I have rocked with Wiz Khalifa from the bottom to the top. And I realize a good, solid artist when I see it. I know the talent. It's just a lot of times it's up to the artists to realize and see their own talent. But I, when I see talent like Ty Dolla Sign, I know. I'm like, oh, yeah, he got it. He got that. And I'm rocking with it. You know what I'm saying? So shout out to D-Mac for this record right here, you know. And we'll be back on the Allen Network 
with Eric Rabello. Stay tuned. But right here is um, the new record from D-Mac. It's called Flossing on Them. All right. It's the Allen Network. Flossing on them, shining on them, getting money, early morning, boy 50. Flossing on them, shining on them, getting money. Put it in the time, you know I stay on the grind, I put it all on the line I woke up to a check, I'm getting paid How you sleeping when it's money to be made? And I ball like Jordan, I get it if I want Got the drip like water, take a trip with my water Disneyworld with the fans, take the pics on the ground I done came a long way working on to be a better man Flossing on them, shining on them, getting money It's the Allen Network. Um, blessed to have another in-studio guest with me right now. His name is Eric Babello. And um, you actually reached out to me, mm-hmm. you know, because you were like, are you accepting guests on your podcast? And mm-hmm. I was like, well, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're here. How did you find me, first of all? So I saw a couple other interviews you were doing of like Sacramento entrepreneurs. I forget exactly who, (laughs) but um, I just saw those and I was like, okay, like a local Sacramento podcast. Like I like supporting local entrepreneurs and local media stuff. Yeah. So basically what I'm doing is anything self-improvement. So Mm -hmm. any, anybody out there that's trying to uh, better themselves or help people of the community better themselves as well, then I'm all in with it. You know, it's the Allen Network. Um, good people need good people. Um, you know, one network under Allenet with good people and healing for all. That's what I'm That's what I'm all about. So, awesome. um, Eric, tell me about what you do and why you wanted to be on to share your story. Yeah, so what I do is I run a advertising agency for like digital media and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Google Ads, all that type of stuff right. uh, to generate more customers for businesses. Um, so because you're local, I wanted to help out the local community and see if I can share some like marketing and advertising and branding ideas um, that, you know, like I've come across that get a lot of good results. And then um, I've been doing that for, you know, a while now and I've actually been doing like kind of marketing and media stuff since I was about 13. But then after a while I was just like, okay, how about I turn this into a business, but not on really my own um, volition. Like I wanted to do it, but I didn't really have the courage to do so. And then there was a couple people where they're telling me like, you're pretty good at what you do. Like you should, you should start something. Yeah. And I was still like, no, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of scary. I don't come from an entrepreneurship background. Yeah. And then after a while, like, I think 
like, you know how they say you get emotional leverage and you just get so sick and tired of whatever you're doing right now that you're just like, okay, I need to like do something different. I can't do this anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so I kind of got to that point where I was like, the path that I'm on right now doesn't make sense for what I want, like my ultimate goals are. Uh -huh. And even though this is the safer path, I'm going to go the other way because it's like, I, I'm pretty good at like taking calculator risks. So when I looked at it, I was like, there isn't like a whole lot of risk involved that I wouldn't be able to bounce back from pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, all right, I'm just going to do that. And then ever since then, it's been like the best decision of my life. I'm making more money than I ever was at like a nine to five job. Like I was a store manager at a cell phone store and working like, I don't even know how much it was, like 80 hours a week or something like that because Whoa. my team was kind of slacking uh -huh. and... To be fair, I probably should have <laughs> let them go. I gave them a lot of chances, mm -hmm. um, and I, I learned my lesson that way. But I had to pick up the slack, and I was selling probably 60 or 70% of the store's volume mm. just because the employees were – they were good, like, operationally, but as far as sales goes, they couldn't – they just couldn't do it yeah. um, or couldn't, like, hit their targets. So I had to pick up the slack, and, like, it got to a point where I was just, like, beaten down. Like, I was at – I remember there's a picture with my mom, and we're, like, eating and, like – it, it, it's like a, the day after I had a super hard day at that, <laughs> that cell phone store and I see the picture. I'm like, dude, I look dead. Like, what is that? Like, I was like, no, I was getting sick all the time. Like it was just yeah. all bad. Like the stress was, stress was no good. Stress level was too much. Yeah. And then in exchange for like the money I was getting, it was like, not worth it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, after a while you start thinking about, well, if I'm working this hard, why am I not working for myself? I can work this hard add whatever I want to do mm -hmm. for myself and then it pays for myself. So you said you started doing this when you were like 13. Yeah. So I didn't start in like marketing and advertising really at 13. I started with video content production and like photography and like editing, like Photoshop type of stuff, uh -huh. graphic design. Yeah. And then people were like, okay, you're doing pretty good at that. And then, uh, I, you know, people told me like, oh, you should start a little business. Um, you know, this is probably around like 15. They were like, oh, you should like do fit, get paid to do videos for other people. And I'm like, eh, like, I don't know. Um, again, I was super hesitant to entrepreneurship and I feel like a lot of people are just because they don't know what's on the other side. And I'm like, I, I kind of say just do it, but like take a calculator risk and don't like go too far. But, um, <laughs> we'll talk more about the calculator risk and not going too far, but yeah. keep going, keep going. Um, so I started with that. And then after a while, um, I saw that like a lot of companies were advertising like on the internet. So I was like, okay, I should learn this. And I just did like a whole ton of research, found people that like are good at that. And then I developed my own strategies after taking in what they had and kind of putting my own like twist on things. And then, um, then like when I started my actual like company, uh, I did like a whole plethora of services that I was all actually pretty like, you know, adept in. But the uh -huh. thing is, is it's just like, that's just too much. Like I, I can't do all that. So now I niche down to basically just advertising. And then if a client asks me to do like a website for them, I can do that. Or like uh, search engine optimization to like make them higher in Google. I can do that too. But I primarily focus on advertising because I think that's the most scalable thing that I can do and also gets the most results. Okay. And so when you say advertising, basically what that does that entail for you? I mean, advertising, you know, I feel like somebody that's outside looking in of that, that world, you know, what does that entail for you? I mean, like, or for one of your clients? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So it usually uh, starts with them, like, you know, reaching out to me or I reach out to them. We would like set a meeting and I take about somewhere between like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes a little bit, you know, um, less depending on like the niche and industry that they're in, but about an hour, let's just say, and I ask them a whole like just ton of questions. I don't really mm -hmm. try to do like sales or anything like that until the very end because I have to understand their problem first. Yeah. So if they're doing like paper marketing or something like that, I need to explain to them like the differences and just I just educate them while I'm asking them questions. Mm -hmm. and I write it all down and then after I see 
like contextually what the solution is based on what they have going on. Then I just recommend it to them. And then I'm like, okay, you know, if they have any pushback, I'm like, well, you said that your problem is this and I'm here to solve that problem, whether it's me or I also say like, whether it's someone else, I obviously I'm biased because it's me. But um, I mean, I, I think that like, and we can talk about that later. I have a differentiator between a lot of other like marketing companies and stuff. But, um, yeah. So I, I just think that after they understand like their problem and stuff like that, then we move forward with the deal. And then I do more research on their company in the way of like keywords, their competitors, um, literally what their competitors are doing. Cause Facebook shows that to everybody now. Right. And then after that I put together like campaigns, I do everything. So I do the copywriting. I, um, well, I can't necessarily do the creative all the time. Like the videos or pictures. I usually try and get that from them. Um, just because it's like, I can't fly all over the nation all the time to do different content. Um, so I get the content from them and then I do the targeting. I do pretty much everything else other than that, that core foundation. And then, uh, we just test the campaigns over a period of time. And then like, I'm just the facilitator and optimizer for those, those campaigns that the businesses are running and then we get results. Okay. So say, um, for example, you have a company, say by uh, they are a Latino food, like grocery store, right? So they've been doing paper advertising and it's not really working for them. They're ready to move on to the next thing. What would you recommend to them? Mm -hmm. So let's see if they're a grocery store, I'd probably recommend because yeah, like Google, like actually, so I'd recommend three things, Mm -hmm. basically Facebook and Instagram, which are owned both owned by Facebook. And then those are kind of like one in the same Mm -hmm. and then possibly even YouTube advertising because you know, the Latino community, like everybody's on, um, on YouTube and there's like, you know, billions of hours watched like per day. So then you can put a YouTube ad in front of them, like a video ad explaining why, look, you're going to get a better experience at our grocery store as opposed to like the basic Safeway or Walmart or like anything else. And then you just have to create a video um, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube that just explains like why you're different, why they should come to you. And I break it down kind of in five steps whenever you're doing copywriting or creating content. It's acknowledge your community or you're like who you're talking to. And then after that, you kind of agitate their problems. So maybe they're not getting the right prices they want. Maybe like you could even go down to the emotional level of they feel judged at other places. Like, you know, you never know what problem they have. Right. And then um, usually like these two, you can kind of flip back and forth. But I recommend having some type of testimonial or some type of case study. Or maybe in this case, it would be like a video of customers like in the store or something like that. And then recommend your solution and then a call to action. So whatever their offer is, um, you know, of that month, like with a grocery store, it's probably every week that Mm -hmm. they're changing their deals. So then the last thing is the call to action and only having one call to action, keeping it really simple. And then if you want to have more call to actions, you create more ads and then Mm -hmm. just targeting like the right age range and stuff like that, because young kids are obviously going to be on Facebook and YouTube and stuff and going to be wanting to consume different things from a grocery store than like an older person would. So it's like just contextually make your ads depending on your audience and then you just put it out there and then it does two things. It creates branding. So if no one like clicks to like, right away to, you know, come in and take advantage of your offer, you now like they now are aware of like your brand. So it's Mm -hmm. like if they didn't know before, it's like, oh, it's kind of in the back of their mind. And after they see you probably like between six and 10 times, they'll probably be like, okay, like this seems like a legitimate business. I'm finally going to go in there because they follow up with me like a lot. And it's kind of like the law of familiarity. Um, And then, yeah, we just track results and see what's working and what's not. Shut off the ads that aren't working, double down on the ones that are. Uh, explain call to action. Yeah. So a call to action is basically your sales pitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at the end of the video, well, actually I recommend doing a, like a soft one at the beginning, a soft one in the middle, and then a, like a kind of more harder one at the end. Um, and then if you say like for this, uh, particular 
grocery store, let's say that their offer is 50% off all national brands or like something like that. I don't really know the grocery store market, but like, you know, that's why I would ask the owner and be like, what, what can you do? So 50% off national brands just this week, if you come in with this voucher code Mm. and then all of a sudden the person's like, well, I want 50% off of hostess donuts or whatever it is. So then they click on that and then they type in their information, their name, email, phone number, whatever other info you want. Now that grocery store has that data and that's theirs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's exclusive. So then um, that's in your, in your database and you can access it or send them stuff at any time. And then now you uh, send, you know, an email or text or whatever with the coupon code, then they come in and then you can track how many times that coupon code was used. And then, um, but yeah, that was kind of a long winded way of <laughs> basically just a sales pitch to get them into the store. What now, you want would them to you do. use that particular one on Facebook and Instagram or can you use that on YouTube too? So fa- uh, Instagram only allows you to do one minute ads for yeah, videos. Right. Uh, Facebook lets you do super long ones, like I think like two hours. And then same thing with YouTube. Well, I think YouTube might have like an hour limit or something like that, but basically the longer form content could be on Facebook and YouTube. And then you kind of have to chop it up and make it native or contextual to the platform on Instagram, like a little bit shorter and more punchy. Um, But yeah, you can put the same video across all those platforms and then also track that also like when you're not putting a bunch of variables in the system, you can see, okay, so Facebook is converting more than YouTube or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Let's shut off the other platform. If we want to conserve money, if you don't care about conserving money and you're more like, let's just put as much branding out there and awareness as possible, then you can keep it on both. Okay. So I'm not too familiar with the YouTube platform. I say Mm -hmm. I'm very familiar with Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So the YouTube platform, you know, I, I watch like, I'll watch a YouTube video and then, you know, the commercial will pop up. So basically that's what you're creating. Like Mm -hmm. those commercials that pop up in between, you know, the content Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. So yeah, YouTube has a lot of different uh, like formats, but what you're, what you're talking about is like the pre-roll ad. So yeah, when someone clicks on a video um, before the video actually starts, they'll see however long, you know, your advertisement is. And then because it's at the beginning of the video, obviously they're going to pay attention when you do a YouTube ad in particular, um, you want to make sure that the first five seconds are extremely impactful, that they mm-hmm. want to watch the rest of it. Right. And uh, if you come out the gate trying to be all salesy, they're not going to, they're just going to skip because they're like, their brains are just conditioned to just like not pay attention to that. Yeah. But if you, I, I mean, there's a million ways you can get their attention, but if you just start the education process and treating like your business more like a solution provider as opposed to a salesperson, then they're going to keep watching the ad. Like with my, um, so I ran some YouTube ads for a while. And basically, I just wanted anybody that was uh, targeting or like typing in like digital marketing related stuff, I'd show them an ad. And like I tested kind of a salesy ad that was like, hey, go subscribe to my channel and you get more stuff. And then it didn't really get much. And then I ran one of my 20 minute videos as an advertisement and it had like huge watch time. Like people were almost watching the entire video um, because when they were looking for digital marketing stuff, their solution already popped up and then now they're going to watch the entire ad. And then it has a call to action at the end, of course, of like, hey, subscribe to my channel if this was helpful. And that's okay. pretty much it. So, so how would you target that? So basically when, okay, okay, this is complicated. Okay. Let me, let me work We're this out technical. in my mind. <laughs> let me work this out. Yeah. You got to get very technical. Cause this is, this is the stuff that people need to know. This is like all of the things that now I have to go back and learn mm. because I mean, I worked for a radio station for 15 years. So I was a person creating mm. the content and then they would take that content and then go do something with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have to worry about all the technical stuff. Mm -hmm. So for example, YouTube. Okay. So how would you make sure that the ad that you're creating is going to the right audience? Mm -hmm. 
So gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, two ways that you can really target on YouTube, and then you can kind of combine those ways if you really want to to get super targeted. I ch- I recommend trying out them separately, and then kind of meeting in the middle somewhere. So Google is probably. I would say Google and Facebook, Google has a little bit more data than Facebook does because they're just everywhere. (laughs) Like it's insane. Facebook has a ton of data too, but Google literally tracks everything. So you can either do it by kind of like audience targeting. So someone that's in in the market to buy whatever, like their ad platform is so detailed in the way of like what type of demographics, interests and behaviors you can do. It's like absurd. So it's like, but it's all, it's not always necessarily the most targeted like it's it's pretty darn close i would say facebook's a little bit more targeted because it's a simpler platform other than a huge search engine basically the entire internet (laughs) so you can target by audience so they're basically just typing in age you know demographic what they're interested in um for example if you're trying to promote a business podcast or self-development podcast you can target people that are interested in self-development not necessarily on keywords or anything they're typing in um directly but google knows if they're typing in certain keywords they're most likely interested in that um that interest. Uh And then the other way you can do it is just straight keywords. And that's what I was doing for a while because those are the most targeted ways you can do it. So rather than being kind of iffy with like an audience, you could just be like, Hey, if someone typed in, how do you run Facebook ads? Like as a phrase, then that one's going to be kind of like, you have to bid pretty high for that. But because the Google ad platform works in a way to where it's like an auction. I mean, just like Facebook and Instagram basically. But like if someone's paying 10 cents, you know, to get that ad viewed and then you have a quality score of like the same amount, like you have a, a relevant ad to that person that Google's decided, then you pay a little bit more, maybe like 12 cents or something like that, and they're going to view your ad instead. But it's based on they typed in that keyword, like you said, like a while ago, and then probably that same day or the next day, um, they'll see an ad for it like right away. Big brother! Oh <laughs> yes. My it's it's, so it's crazy. a little creepy, but you know. Yeah, it's a little creepy that they know. <laughs> you were like, I didn't type anything. How do they know? The creepiest one is when you start like combining these two, like Google and Facebook. That's just scary. Like, like you'll go on someone's, like you'll be on YouTube and then like you'll click the ad, which will subscribe you to the channel. And then you watch a couple of their videos and then you check out their website and then you get on their website and Facebook was not involved in the entire section, but then you put a pixel on there and then it's like, they're tracking me all over the internet. Yeah, that's a little scary. It's a little it's scary. <laughs> it is effective, especially if you're trying to advertise. You mm-hmm. know, like I get, I get it, but it is like, stop, get out of my life. You know, it's like kind of like, oh my god, why are you doing this to me? Like, yeah. why are you in my head? That's yeah. kind of feels like. So yeah. you don't want to create like ad fatigue because if they see the same ad over and over again, then it's like just. Actually, I mean, they can probably see the ad like six or ten times because like the first six times they didn't pay attention to it. And now they're like, okay, this guy or girl or whoever is like really in my face. Like maybe I should listen to it now. So maybe on the tenth time they'll listen to it. But um, what you should do is after that six or ten times, you should probably set up a sequence of ads. So they watch the first one and then like a video views campaign you can do. If they watch 75% of the first video, then they'll see the, fir- the next video, like on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, YouTube, you can also do sequencing like that. If, where it's if they watch a particular percentage, you can follow up with the next one. And until they watch to that percentage, they won't see the next follow-up ad. What? Sequencing, yeah. Sequencing is a thing? Mm-hmm. Well, how do you do that? Like, is there a button for that? A magic button <laughs> on Facebook? A couple <laughs> buttons. Gee, so, is yeah. that in the, the advanced part? Of the, um, you know, because mm-hmm. I've actually purchased like Facebook ads before or something, mm-hmm. but that must be in the advanced queue at the very, very bottom because I haven't seen that one yet. And that's why people hire me, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> or, you know, my company, <laughs> right, all that right, stuff. Right. So it's like, um, how it works is actually, 
Uh, I love it because like I'm a pretty logical and like analytical person and I can follow like step-by-step stuff. So it's like you put a video views campaign out there and then like you have to click that marketing objective and then they see that first video and then you create a second ad. And then when you create the second ad, you put the content and everything like the same stuff in there. But then when you click your audience, you can click uh, a custom audience, which is basically Facebook. uh, Like when you upload that video, Facebook will see like, okay, they're, they're already tracking how much people are watching of the video anyway for their own algorithm and like organic stuff. Um, so it's like, they're already tracking that. Then you create a custom audience saying, hey, this particular video, I wanna know every single person that watched 50%, 75%, 100%, whatever it is of the video, and you can create a custom audience. Now, just that audience alone doesn't do anything. You have to put that audience into that secondary ad. And then when you create the third ad, it's the same thing where it's like, okay, they watch that second video, you repeat the process, you create a custom audience of that video views uh, campaign, and it just keeps going. You can do like as many as you want necessarily, or you know, te- uh, technically. There's this guy that's on Instagram right now. I think he hired you <laughs> because <laughs> I see so many of his videos and I'm just, I scroll past them things, but there's mm-hmm. like always a different one. And it's like, Oh, well, if you subscribe to this, then you're watching this video because you're just, you subscribe to this. I'm like, just calling it out. (laughs) No, I just like to putting it out there. And I'm like, yo, bro, like I I want you to off of my Instagram right Mm, now. Like I felt like that, you know, like it's too much. Yeah. And that's where, so the thing that he did wrong was either, or his team or whoever's doing it, um, it's either the targeting is wrong, like you're not the like the target audience for him and you're not resonating. Well, actually, I am the target audience oh, for him okay. because, I mean, I get it. I did, you know, the first click, I went. Oh, and, I you see. you know, like, so I, fo- I followed him down the rabbit hole mm-hmm. for one video, like one, like, um, thing, but he got my email address. So mm-hmm. now we're in. We're in, and I, there's no escape. Well, technically there is an escape as a marketer. I probably shouldn't tell people this, but when you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can click the little three dots and just say, um, Uh, probably don't be like, uh, just for everybody listening, I wouldn't be like mean and like report it for spam or something like that. I would like, there's a button that says this ad isn't relevant to me. And like, and like, they'll, they'll kind of get that after a while. And that like who Facebook is targeting based on their algorithm, will just move on to someone else. Yeah. So anybody that's like, no, it's, it just, he, I, yeah, it wasn't for me. You Mm. know what I'm saying? Like I, what he was trying to push, I get it, but now I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've moved on. I yeah. need him to move on too. <laughs> yeah, and that's where frequency is extremely important because right. you can set on all these platforms how many times someone sees an ad before it stops. So, like, usually, you know, you well, there's a bunch of different like statistics and data on like how many times it takes someone, uh, like, after seeing your brand, to, like, make a purchase because it's like it varies, very, you know, on the industry and stuff. I usually say about six to 10. Some people say up to 32 touch points, whether that's a LinkedIn ad versus an email versus a call that you get. Like it's just as many times as you contact that person in any medium, they say it's about 32. So it's kind of all over the place. It depends on your like industry. But for that ad that you were watching, like it got your interest at first, but then it like the messaging or like basically his solution was not not right for you, right? So it's like if he maybe said it a different way or had a different product that he would put in front of you or service or whatever it is, then maybe you would like go down down the funnel. But it's like, I mean, that's marketing in, in a nutshell is like you put stuff out there to a bunch of people to get attention and then they self-select and they figure out, okay, so this person clicked on it, this person didn't, let's just disregard you know that person okay so we talked about you know like algorithms and all of that Mm -hmm. now um how 
I mean, you use Facebook and you use Instagram, right, to yeah. advertise for people. So mm-hmm. how effective are these hashtags? Like, mm-hmm. do they really, really help you bust out of Instagram algorithm hell? Mm-hmm. Because that's where I'm currently stuck. Yeah. So Instagram <laughs> is in a tough place right now. So oh my face, God. like to give an example, Facebook, like five or 10 years ago, you had a business page, you had like 10,000 people on there. 75% of them would probably see it because it's like, you know, in their feed. But now Facebook, it's like less than 1% of your likes will actually even see your content. Like they don't even get the, they get the option. <laughs> um, and then the people that do, like that's why you post something and you get like two likes and it's like, what? what? <laughs> um, but on Instagram, that's starting to happen just because bigger brands are starting to like, you know, do ads and stuff on there. So then it drives the organic traffic down because that's Instagram's business model. I would say hashtags are important. Uh, some people, I think the max uh, hashtags you can put is 30. If you put 30 hashtags, like no matter, so no matter what you do on all these platforms, it sends a signal to, you know, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube um, and they collect all that data. So if someone is consistently putting 30 hashtags on every single post, Instagram might see that and be like, okay, they're just trying to abuse hashtags. You know what I mean? So the recommended uh, hashtag count is somewhere between five and 10 now, actually. And what they recommend doing is making the hashtags a little bit more contextual. So if you're an entrepreneur podcast, instead of just type, you know, having hashtag entrepreneur, maybe like narrow that down a little bit more. Still pick a popular hashtag that's not like got no, so no volume. So when you say contextual, um, see, this is what I used to always do in the past. And I don't know, maybe I've, I've been seeing that people put all of their hashtags at the bottom or they actually put them in a separate comment, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, w- I was always the type of person that would write my my copy and 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 then put the hashtags in the actual copy. Like that's say good. for example, that's you know on this episode of the hashtag Allen the Allen Network. Mm-hmm. You know I have um, advertising. You know hashtag advertising. So does that work, or is it is it more effective for you to be all at the bottom or? in a separate comment like yeah so i would actually say that that's probably the most effective way to do it uh sometimes it's a little bit hard to get all those words in there depending on your copy and stuff so anything you forget go ahead and put it at the bottom but i recommend yeah keep it around 10 hashtags total and then what you should do is it kind of just forces you to create more content so it's like instead of having maybe a longer piece of content that touches on three different ideas and then you have those hashtags that are all for that. Mm -hmm. It's more like separate out that piece of content into three pieces of content and then make each post have more relevant hashtags. Like like all this stuff is going very contextual because everybody's abusing the platforms and trying to be very kind of vanilla and widespread and like they're kind of treating it like old advertising. Like when you send a postcard out, you don't want to be super contextual other than maybe, or you, you really can't be super contextual other than maybe their zip code or their name or address or basic data, you know, on them. On Facebook, you can be extremely contextual. To, like if you want to target literally anybody, <laughs> you could like go on there and eventually get it to them on one of these platforms at least. Um, so when you do organic content on Instagram, I would say separate your hashtags out, do no more than 10. You can put them in the copy like that. It's really effective. It's yeah. just, it doesn't look spammy. And then, um, just create more content. Now, as far as the Instagram algorithm as a whole, it's just tanking. Like it, I can, I can see it on people's personal profiles, on business profiles. It's all just going down to give more uh, room for ad space. Now, oh god, yeah. it's like it's like po- friends post, friends post, advertisement, friends yep. post, friend to- post, advertisement. Every like, like three or four. Every, yeah. I was like, why? Why do I need to see all that? 
it's just the nature of the platforms. And eventually, fa- like, Facebook's done an amazing job of, like, not dying off. Like, I'm so surprised. I'm like, they, like, Zuckerberg and his whole team have been on the cutting edge of the market or at least buying stuff. Like, when they bought Instagram, that was, like, an amazing move. Um, it's like, eventually, they could just buy everything, buy Twitter, buy Snapchat, <laughs> like, whatever. But, um, yeah, the platforms are, like, so it's usually all the platforms like Snapchat, even like TikTok, this new one starts with a younger audience because they're on the cutting edge. They want to get the new app. They want to yeah. be trendy. And then after that app uh, starts to get more attention. Now, I don't know if you know this. TikTok has 600 million users across the world, which is more than uh, Snapchat and Twitter combined. Yeah, like, I was insane. up on TikTok and I was like, oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> I tried like I really did. And, you know, because I hear like Gary Vee, you guys need to get on TikTok. It's like, mm. it's already passed now. Like, you already missed it. You mm. know, and I'm like trying to go look. And I just, I was like, no, I'm not interested. Mm. Or maybe I'm just too old for it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's basically just the next platform that's going to, that's here to stay. Because the company is actually, um, it's owned by ByteDance. It's a Chinese company. And they're extremely good at marketing the app. Uh, they actually, the, the, the one of the main reasons that TikTok actually grew was because of YouTube ads. So they just poured a bunch of money into YouTube ads the same way that uh, that platform uh, for buying stuff, Wish, did the same thing. They just right. poured it into Facebook ads, and that's they're now they're like a billion-dollar company or something. Um, but all these platforms, uh, not TikTok yet and not LinkedIn yet, but, like, you have to run ads to get, like, followers or get, like, views to your stuff because the same thing that, uh, you know, happened to Facebook is going to happen to Instagram. Like, it's already kind of happening. And then after a while, it's just like no one's going to see your stuff. And if you want to your own audience to see the stuff, you have to do like a retargeting ad of who liked your last couple posts or something like that. But um, yeah, Instagram's like on the way down. I would say it's nowhere near like dead yet, like at all. Um, but I know. It's my favorite still, but yeah. it's, oh God, it's just like the, the amount of advertisement, advertisement mm. on there is just like kind of out of control. And that's what happened to Facebook. Like you go on Facebook, you see the same thing. It's probably even more ads. Um, people just got tired of that. So I just, just we don't, I, yeah, I don't even look on it anymore. I don't even really, mm. I just post stuff up there because I know people are going to see mm-hmm. some of my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just post and I don't really look at anybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I go, I go and look at my memory. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And when people like comment or like, you mm-hmm. know, I can see that and birthdays mm-hmm. and but that's pretty much it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, but I would say posting organically on, like, Facebook is, like, dead. Like, just don't even worry about it. I mean, you can just because, like, why not? Mm-hmm. But um, just because you want your page to look, like, active and stuff. But as far as, like, ads, Facebook ads are still, like, killing it. Like mm-hmm. I would say. Like, the, it's not dead yet. It's nowhere near dead. Um, people have even said, like, Facebook is a little bit more targeted than Instagram because even though they're owned by the same company, they're not – they kind of, like, that's why they got all those lawsuits is because they were, like, sharing data uh, between all their stuff. They even own, like, WhatsApp and things like that. Um, but they were getting in trouble. So, peop- I mean, Facebook or Instagram's got, like, better at the targeting stuff. But I would say by, like, a hair, Facebook is still better at, like, targeting the correct person. On Instagram, sometimes people that aren't relevant to your audience will, will see the ad. And you kind of just have to spend on it. But Instagram's a little bit cheaper because, you know, it's like, it's, it, you got to play, like, the game of all these different platforms and just put in the most effective strategy using kind of like the creative and making sure you have a good message and then doing all the analytics to make sure like it backs it up and you're getting like an effective campaign. Okay. Um, yeah, we're numbers, (laughs) 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 numbers. Uh, yeah. Um, that's crazy. I, I can't even understand how you can wrap your mind around that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just, so 
Like, do you I, consider yourself like what is it when you're a creative mind? Are you is that a right brain or a left right brain? brain is creative, left brain is analytical. So are you a left brain brainer? So or I think I middle? I think I lean more towards the left, but like I'm pretty darn close to the middle, and I think that's the most effective type of person to do. Like I know it's not biased, but like that's the most effective type of person to do your marketing because yeah. it's like okay, I can understand all the numbers, but I can also understand okay, what's the brand's vision? Like what are they trying to do? Like I'm not all based on oh the numbers don't add up. It's like well, are you getting customers? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The numbers don't necessarily always have to add up if you're getting customers in the door. Like, it's, it's kind of ambiguous sometimes. But I would say that I am uh, more analytical. Um, my favorite personality test for people to do is the four gems test. Mm. I don't know why it's called that, but it's basically sapphire, ruby, uh, pearl, emerald. Sapphires are more um, kind of artistic and creative and sometimes a little bit messy. And uh, they love connecting with people and like having parties and stuff like that. Rubies are like ruthless. They want to win. Like, you know what I mean? Just always, con- you know, competitive. Um, they're usually pretty, a little bit more like organized. Pearls, sometimes a little bit messy too. Um, and then they're risk mitigators. So they don't like, you know, a lot of risk. They like things being safe. They like helping people. Like they have a good like heart. And then Emerald, uh, which is my primary, is analytical facts, figures, like that type of stuff. And then you have a primary and a secondary. So most people, um, you know, they, they, they fit into one category, the majority, but then they have some other characteristics that fit into the other ones. Now, you can either be, like a, for a sapphire, you can either be a ruby or you can be a pearl, but you can't be a sapphire emerald because those are opposites. Right. So then like me, I'm primarily an emerald and then secondary a ruby because I like to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like I'm like really competitive and stuff. I'm so it's a like sapphire pearl. Yes. <laughs> I'm a yeah. total... And then, but everybody has their own strengths, right? So it's like, as far as networking, you're probably a hundred times better at networking than I am (laughs) because it's like, you, you just can get along with people easier, right? It's a little bit more difficult for me because I want to talk about the facts and the figures and, and like details and things like that. When some people like at like a networking event, don't want to talk about that. They just want to have fun. They want to chit chat and then eventually maybe get to some business stuff and and talk details. But you know, it's like everybody has their own, their own strengths. Mm, okay. So 13, when you um, started mm-hmm. heading on this way, yeah. um, and you said that you were working at a phone store, or a, yeah, and you're yeah. like, no, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Like, so how did you, oh, here's where we get into the five hard questions, okay? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the five hard questions. Five hard questions is questions that it might be hard for you to answer, or questions that might be hard for me to ask. Okay, as perfect. A person, I love it. You know, okay. So first hard question, we'll get into that. Um, so you're working at the phone store, phone mm-hmm. carrier store, yeah. and you're like, this is trash. I can't do this anymore. Um, so what did you do? Did you just quit? Yeah. So literally what was happening was, so I was at that phone store uh, for like, probably two and a half years total started as a rep. And that's actually how I got my sales experience. I was working at a pizza place. And then after the pizza place, I literally just walked over to the phone store and I was like, look, I need a job Mm -hmm. and I am going to do anything necessary to do that because my income at that time was like complete, just not where I wanted to be obviously. And then I was like, okay, the next step up, I need to learn sales. I need to learn like really good communication for business purposes. And then I know, like I've heard like commission, like, cause I was actually at my pizza place and I heard um, some people talking in line about like sales and commission and stuff like that. And I was like, that's right. Sales positions, you can get additional money. You can control your income. So I went over there, I interviewed, I had no sales experience, but the manager kind of took a bet on me and he literally did the 
sell me this stapler <laughs> thing. Oh, and then, no. uh, yeah. And then he said, I actually did a decent job. Like he was, he was like, I'm not going to lie. Like you did pretty good, but I would say that there's, you know, some improvement and stuff, but like, you're a really good candidate. So I was like, cool. Got the job the next month. Um, but that pizza place, I ended that day. And then the next day I started the job at the Verizon store. So like, okay. you know, did a thing. But, um, after I was doing that for a while, I was like amazing employee, not to like <laughs> brag or whatever, but like really good operationally. I just have the mind for it. And it was just selling a lot, like hitting my targets. And then after a while, uh, my manager that I had at the time, um, I guess the, the, the upper level manager that's not like in the store, um, well, after I became store manager and replaced the guy that hired me, uh, the, my new boss, uh, basically he quit. And he mm. said he had a different path. Um, it was like a really sad day because like we all loved him. Like he was an amazing guy. Um, and then a new guy comes in. And the new guy, like the rumors and stuff like that are starting. It's like, oh, okay, this guy is not um, not anything like our, our other boss. And I was like, hmm. But I was like, I'm just going to roll with the punches. I can't really do anything about it. So, and I was like, it doesn't, th this guy is not going to affect like my numbers. And stuff like that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. This guy comes in. I've never gotten a write-up in two yeah like two two and a half years of being in the company like everything like nothing within two weeks of this guy starting <laughs> his job <laughs> this is about to get good i can tell within two weeks good. of starting his job writes me up twice wow yeah and for like little things and then he, he even gave it to like the his boss as well just to like kind of put me on a silver platter of like look where he's like messing up or whatever and i was like uh -huh. that was like a little thing and it was uh -huh. just kind of transitioning between the old boss and the new one and uh yeah, like I, I was just like, why is this guy writing me up twice? And on a third write-up, he's allowed to fire you. So uh -huh. I was like, I see what he's doing. So he's trying to get me out. We, we always butt heads on stuff. Um, so then... Why do you... Why, okay, question number two then. Yeah. Why do you think he had it out for you? Um, <laughs> that, one, that one is a tough one to answer just because I don't want to like disrespect him necessarily, but it's kind of just like everybody agreed kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> he had probably some psychological stuff that was going on that was not the most pleasant. And I feel bad for that. Uh -huh. He was in a new position. Um, also he, you know how like when people are overly trying to be like tough guy, like, you know yeah. what I mean? like it's like overcompensating. Yeah. That's kind of what like was happening. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, why is this guy being so like trying to just make a mess and chaos as possible and just kind of stir everybody up. And I'm like, I get it when you're a new manager, you want to like, you know, have your authority and stuff like that, but you can do that respectfully. Cause he also like, I mentioned to an HR manager the day that I left, I was like, listen, here's some insulting things that he said to me, like word for word. And like on, on like our conference calls, he'll like smack, like smack talk and stuff. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, but not in like a funny way. Like, you know, like sales jobs, sometimes you do that. He just did it in like a malicious way. I'm like, this is not okay. So then, um, yeah, like we, we just didn't get along. And then he, he does the, the two week thing where he like, you know, writes me up twice. And then before he can write me up a third time, I'm like, okay, I need to find like a way out. So then I like got some stuff together at the time. Uh, this is, this is the pivotal point where I was like, okay, I dropped out of college at this time. I was like, I'm going to do, um, you know, managing the store like full time. Cause like I make more money at that store, uh, even though I'm working a ton than I would as a college graduate of getting the degree I, I was going to get. So I was like, why would I get a hundred K in debt to go make less? It just didn't make sense. Um, I mean, you know, it's harder work. Like it, like it maybe my salary would have been like, you know, a little bit less, but it's like, you know, I, I can control my income over here. So overall I can, I can get more money. Um, so I just figured out, I was like, look, like I need to do like something different. Like I'm kind of put in this box. And then a couple people just came to me, 
Uh, and we're like, look, like you've been like, I already had my business name. I had the website. I had everything that I wanted to do. And I was like, I know I want to do this, but I still like didn't have the courage. I was like, I don't want to disappoint my parents because I already dropped out of college. So I was like, then they were super disappointed about that. Now they don't feel that way. <laughs> thankfully, um, they're actually happy. But um, when when that happened, I was like really scared. I'm like, OK, I have I, I don't have like a backup plan. I have this job. I might be able to get a job at some other like car sales thing or something like that. Like, I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to take like a risk and just like bet on myself and then just like do it. And this person really pushed me over the line. It's actually the same person that uh, convinced me to drop out of college. So mm-hmm. this person is like, you know, pushed me forward. I don't, I don't uh, talk to them anymore. But um, so I go to um, I go to the HR manager or someone like that. And I just put in my two weeks. And then the funny thing is, this is how I know that this guy was like complete, like not a respectable manager. You know what I mean? Like I have no problem with someone like, you know, telling me what to do necessarily as, as well. I, I don't really like it that much because I'm like entrepreneurial yeah. at heart, but like I'll follow directions, right? If it's the most effective thing from the store and like the business. Um, but he, yeah, it was just like really weird. Um, I put in my two weeks and he obviously saw the email, right? And like saw like everything. This dude doesn't talk to me once for two weeks, not <laughs> once. And then on the very last day, he shouts out on the call, oh, yeah, this is Eric's last day, and uh, bye. I was like, interesting. <laughs> now, now, like, yeah, and then, he really had a little – Now, I mean, was it like – okay, was he like that with a couple of different people, or do you feel like it was just you that he was so like So let that? me get into that. Okay. After, after, <laughs> I, after, <laughs> after I left, within a month, he fired six other managers. Really? And replaced them with his friends. Oh. Is from that his old what, company. Oh, okay. Yep. Trash. So like once I found that out, cause I like people got back to me and they're like, look dude, like everybody's like dying right now. Cause I was still in co- Like I was best friends with like the people in my store and they were telling me like, yeah, this is absolutely horrible. Like no one in the district is like doing well. They're all like stressed out all the time. They like, there's like firing threats going on like 24 seven. I'm like, dude, this guy, I'm like, I'm so glad I got out of there. <laughs> cause like I did it at the right time. But then some people did quit because they kind of felt like, like I think maybe two quit and then the rest of them were like fired. So I guess he, he fired four and then mm-hmm. two of them like quit or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, I was just like, his intentions were very clear now of like what we're trying to do. And I'm just glad I got out of there. It was like, it, it, I, I'm doing much better now <laughs> than like I ever would at that store. So I was like, cool. Um, but yeah, does that answer your question? Yes, okay. yes. Um, I did had a question in there that was floating around, but you answered it for okay. me. And, and it was, were your parents disappointed that you Absolutely. dropped out of college? Yeah. So my mom, uh, not as much because I mean, she was still like scared and skeptical and kind of being like, you know, you need to have a backup plan because she's more of a pearl. She likes the backup plan, the risk mitigation. Right. Uh-huh. So then, um, and then my dad was just very unhappy about it, which rightfully so, because when, um, he couldn't see the other side. He doesn't, he didn't really like fully know what my vision was or what I was doing. So then he's like, uh, yeah, no, like the, because how I was brought up, um, he's basically go to college, get a job you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And he was trying to get me into the tech space cause that's where the most money is. Now I wasn't the most passionate about that. Like I, I switched from computer science, uh, over to business, right? Mm-hmm. I changed my major. So that was kind of like a huge thing. And it was kind of like, nah. And then I was like, well, getting a general business degree isn't necessarily going to help me with what I'm trying to do. So I'm just going to stop. Um, but yeah, he was, he was very disappointed and basically, um, was saying like, but again, it's from his perspective. It's not that he's like, he, yeah, it's not like we're, we're battling or anything like that. It's just like, from what he knows, he's like, 
oh, like he's not going to make it. Yeah. That That's what, you know. They the, don't that, know anything else. Yeah, and that's yeah. what they were taught, right? Is like back in like the 70s and 80s, it was like go to college, get a job. And that was the best thing to do at the time. Being an entrepreneur at that time was horrible, like 10 times or 100 times worse than it is now. So then it actually made sense at that time because home prices were good. Um, you know, the culture was different. Like there was just a lot of different like stuff going on that it's like, and also like student uh, debt wasn't like, it wasn't that expensive to go to college and stuff. Now it's like through the roof and it's just not worth it. So it's the same thing that happened to Facebook and Instagram where it's like eventually the value of it at, well, it, it, not right now, but like eventually the value of Facebook and Instagram will be not worth the price. Just like how billboards are and how print media is and stuff like that. Well, I've, I've heard some people say like, they do decent like postcards and stuff, but it's just so expensive and like has a barrier to entry and stuff. It's just not good. So it's more effective to do digital, but um, yeah, disappointment was really bad and it, it made me feel bad. I was like, but ultimately I knew in the back of my head, I'm like, I, I just played it out. I was like, look, I would make probably like around a hundred K a year after like, you know what I was going to do. Um, and I'm like, do I, and then, you know, with inflation uh, every, every year, you know, our money decreases in value about 3%. So I was like, I also, I have to get a raise of at least 4% every year to be like improving my income. And it's like, how often do raises happen? Like rarely. <laughs> so then I was <laughs> like, am I really going to be making around a hundred K a year? Because let's say, yeah, like five years goes by and then that's like 15% inflation. And then they're like, Hey, you're getting a 10% raise. I'm like, it's still less I'm money. Still <laughs> not caught up. Yeah. yeah. So and then, so were your parents helping you with, with, Paying for college? Yeah. So yeah. They no, were? they they were a hundred percent. I wasn't paying for it at all. So okay. I was always grateful for that. I still like am that they would do that. But I was at community college, so it wasn't that expensive necessarily. Yeah. So when I told them, like, hey, look, like I know we haven't spent like that much on college, but like because they were telling me, like, why don't you just go get it? Like, you know what I mean? Just go get it and then figure it out later. And I'm like, I'm gonna save you guys tons of money <laughs> by not doing that because I wanted to go to a UC. Right. Um, just because I wanted that, like that credential, right. right. Um, just for going to like the best I can do. So maybe like, um, Santa Cruz or whatever. I don't know what school I was going to go to, but like get into something. And when I did the math, like, yeah, it's like a hundred K with oh, room and board and tuition oh, and food Lord. and all that type of stuff. It's like, mm -mm. it's just done. Plus with student loans, you can't default on them. Right. Not that we like would have, but it's like, it would have been like scraping by to like try and do all that. And it's like, you, you can't like escape student loans. It's just like medical debt. Yeah, you can't, you can't escape them. Yeah. You can defer them. Yep. <laughs> you can't escape them. They're still there. But there's people that I know that work at like huge companies, right? And like, they're like 40 and they still are like no, nowhere in sight will they actually be able to pay off their student loan debt before the age of like 60, 65. I was a actually kind of uh, blessed that I wasn't very passionate about school that I went to a community. I just knew I had to do something. I mm -hmm. couldn't just, you know, sit around and do nothing. Yeah. I, I did have a job while I went to college, but mm -hmm. um, I went to a community college and then transferred and, and went to a, like a state school or whatever. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't get into that much debt. So, but like, I'm the best route to go. Right. <laughs> I was can, about yeah. like 15 K and yeah, I'm almost good. done paying yeah. it almost, but still like it's, it just don't make no sense, really. Yeah, well, the, like, the yeah, I mean, going to, the, the cost difference between, like, a state school and, like, a UC was, like, was, like, insane, though. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, a UC yeah. is, they, they screw you, like, so bad. My cousin um, went to Berkeley. She's probably drowning in debt right now. <laughs> not her, maybe her parents. But she co-signed on the loan, though, right? I don't know what she did. Okay, but she check didn't. check this out. She graduated, she's super book smart, right? Mm-hmm. 
And she graduated, and I think she had a degree in biology or something like that, or something crazy, you know. Good degree. Yeah, very s- intelligent. She works in, like, cannabis now. Interesting. <laughs> I know, but she's an entrepreneur, you know, so it's like. Yeah, okay. So she got, she got like, so, so college does a couple things, right? Like, it teaches you how to follow, like, a system. It uh, teaches you how to, time like, management. learn. And, yeah, time management, all this yeah. different stuff. So it's like, she probably did learn some skills in school that were helpful, but there must have been something in her that was just, like, different. Yeah, you she know started, I mean? she was working for NASA for a minute, and not all, she just got out of See, all that, man. There, there's some people where you just, no matter what you give them, they're going to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're just going to do it. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, no, good for her. Like, that's that's really good because, yeah, Berkeley's a good school. Bio's an amazing degree. Like, that's the thing is, like, if you're going to get a degree in, like, something technical or, like, something that's, like, very difficult, like, that, that is a high barrier to entry. There's not going to be a lot of people doing that. So then it's, like, that's the one to go for. But getting, like, a business degree like I was going to go to or going to do, um, for me, I was just, like, it's not. What were you planning on going into after, you know, you got that degree? What were you going to do? So, like literally I didn't really know I was just like look I know that I want to make somewhere around 100k a year uh, I found like some businesses and stuff like that because like my plan um, with like the help of like my parents was kind of like okay what are you naturally good at right and then like where could you like fit in so because I am somewhere near the middle of like left brain right brain I was looking for a position where I could be the middleman between the tech people and the art people right so then yeah. I was like because I know how to speak both their languages and I know yeah, I, I just feel like I would be pretty good at that. Who knows if I would have by then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was like, I'm looking for that. And then I forget the official title of someone like that um, at the companies I was going to go to. But, like, yeah, like larger companies doing basically in between those and, like, taking the art people, talking to the tech people and be like, hey, we need to get this done. And then going back to the art people and explaining to them what the tech people said in human language <laughs> as opposed to, like, super techie stuff. But that was the plan. Um, it was a very rough plan. Uh, I was kind of waiting until out of college to kind of like figure that out. But again, like back to the moral of the story, I'm I'm so glad that I didn't go down that path because um, it just wouldn't have. So me. you drop out of school, yeah. you uh, quit your job, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna start this business. But you already pretty much had it in the works. But how long did it take you? so that you weren't, like, in the red anymore and became, like... Because when you start up, gosh, (laughs) it is expensive. Like, I swear, like, expenses come out of nowhere. You're like, I didn't know I had to pay for that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, expenses come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take before, you know, you got your first client and you really started getting into the swing of things? Like, Yeah, so... um, the thing is, is because I don't come from an entrepreneurial background, I had to learn everything by hand. I also wanted to learn everything by hand and not really, I mean, obviously I'd like look up research and like figure it out like online, but like as far as doing it, I was like, I need to learn accounting. I need to learn legal stuff or contracts. I need to learn like, you know, whatever else, customer service, like that type of stuff. I, I kind of do that from retail, retail, but like I need to figure all these things out. And that was like a pain, like the legal and accounting was like the worst for me because I was like, I mean, that's like analytical kind of factual stuff but I was just like this is a little bit above my head like I mean there's a reason why people take 10 years to get like a law degree and all you know all that type of stuff but even more than that you're just not interested in it yeah exactly it wasn't my passion at all so what happened was um I actually reached out to like my network right of like friends and family and I was like look I'm starting this business like this is how everybody should start is just reach out to friends and family and be like 
The, the best question to ask is, do you know anyone that would need what I have? Because if you're asking them directly, it's kind of like you're putting too much pressure on that person and be like, well, I don't want to buy your service. You know what I mean? But if you say, hey, do you know anyone? Then they could be like, they could go one of two ways. Either, oh, you know what? I actually need that. Or yeah, Joe down the street needs, needs your services. So I went through my network and found actually a couple of free clients. Like I just said, hey, I'm going to do it all for free. I'm going to do everything I'm normally going to do for like a normal client in the future, but just um, for free. And then I actually worked for free for them for like a while uh, because I really wanted to hone my my craft and kind of use them as like a guinea pig without yeah, them having to, to pay see me. what works, yeah. Yeah, so I did a ton of work. Like it was like crazy. Um, and then as far as like going in the red though, to like go back for a second, um, my business like doesn't necessarily have like a, a big startup cost. It's mm -hmm. more like skill, like expertise, right? So it's like, um, I don't have to buy like an office and all these different things. But to did start. you have a savings? Because you know, yes. you got bills, baby. Yes. <laughs> you got so bills, baby. <laughs> that was the thing is like, so because I'm so analytical, kind of going back to this, it's like uh, <laughs> one of my personality things is like, I consider myself kind of frugal. Like, I mean, I will spend money on something if it's convenient and it actually helps me and it's like worth it. But like, I'm a person that wants the best value for the best thing, right? So it's like, I had a pretty good amount of savings actually. Like I was more than happy. I could probably could have survived for a long time. Mm. Um, and I used that money, so I was never in the red, ever, mm -hmm. thank God. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of expenses of like, I didn't know, I just went on LegalZoom and like created my LLC. I got a trademark so that no one could use my, uh, the company name uh -huh. and like all these different things. And then, yeah, like you're like, you know, a couple thousand dollars in the hole and you're like, oh man. Uh -huh. And then, uh, and then software, I mean, there was a couple software things I needed for like my business and stuff, but then, and those were going every single month. So I was kind of like, okay, I need to, need to get on this. Um, but I worked with the free clients for a while and was not in the red, but like I wasn't making anything. Right. Yeah. And then, um, I honed my skills and I actually got them like amazing results, like not to brag, but like my first clients, like I got them more clients and more stuff than they like really knew what to do with. I did SEO. I did website design. I did their ads. I was posting on their social media. Like I was doing everything. Like I was, mar I was their marketing department. <laughs> and then, uh, after doing that, they were like, wow, like you're getting really good results and stuff. And then it came to a point where I was like, okay. I feel confident in what I'm doing now because I'm a person that likes to aim before I shoot. I don't always like, you know, in entrepreneurship, they say shoot and then aim. That's not my personality type. Like I have to figure out the system first, but I put in a lot of effort to figure out that system. So I don't have mistakes later. Um, so I, I did all that and I was like, okay, this is what, and I just went to them. I was like, can you pay me now? Yeah. <laughs> and like they, they were more than happy to do that because they were like, okay, you got us good results already. Um, yes, it's going to eat into the profits of how much you're getting us, but it's like worth it because you're doing so much work. We see like what you're doing. Everything is great. Um, and I was like, cool. So they started paying me. And then from there, like it just kind of went like up and up and I was getting them even better results, kind of tweaking and optimizing things. And then, uh, um, you know, I am. So <laughs> at, that, at that time you were doing everything. You were mm -hmm. creating the videos, making people's websites, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So what is you now have got rid of all the stuff and just focus on on the few things mm -hmm. now that you're very, very good at. So what are those very, very good at that? This question sounds jacked up. No, I got, <laughs> my I got words you. didn't go right, but that makes sense, what yeah. are your, your, what did you fine tune it down to? So now it's basically, I just do advertising. Okay. Um, if a client like specifically want, like if they ask like, Hey, do you do SEO and web design? I'm going to be like, yeah, but like, I'm not really going to bring it up necessarily unless mm -hmm. they need it. Right. So there's a lot of businesses that have really good websites. There's nothing like, I don't need to like charge them for anything. I mean, I could, like I could probably convince them to be like, Hey, let's do this website instead for whatever reason. But it's like, I'm not going to do that because they don't need it. So I only sell people stuff that they need. Right. So it's like, I tell them, 
here's the advertising stuff that we're going to do on these platforms after I figure out their problem. And then um, if they ask me, hey, we need to optimize our website for organic Google rankings, like hiring Google, I'll be like, okay, are you down to pay me for that? Like, do you, do you want to move forward? And they're like, yes. Um, or if they need a website, like I'll do that. But primarily it's just one thing because I, a lot of people ask me, have you niched down your industries that you work with? Like some uh, marketing companies only deal in the med medical or, uh, space or whatever. And I say no, because the principles that I use for all my marketing stuff applies to any business. Mm -hmm. So I don't really, unless it's like a low ticket business. Like if it's like someone, I mean, they'll still apply like the principles, but like, it's not going to be cost effective for them to hire me. Right. So if someone um, is selling like a good example, I guess I randomly just thought of if someone is selling um, like makeup or something like that, and it's like kind of like a, a $10 thing, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's not really going to be the most effective for me to do unless we have a really good e-commerce strategy or something like that. I usually tend to work with higher ticket things like, like lawyers or like bigger companies that have a little bit more of a budget to spend um, just because, what I do with the, the companies that quite can't afford me yet is I refer them to my YouTube videos or I do a, cons a consultation call with them. Oh, and yeah, I'll be right. like, look, here's, here's step one of what you need to do. And then you're going to, I'm going to meet you at step 15 and then we can all do uh, you know, paid marketing and stuff like that from there. But they need to do uh, that stuff at the beginning just to like really, for me to actually know they're serious, first of all, cause mm -hmm. some people just want to hand you stuff and just be like, you figure it out and then yeah. just make me money. It's like, well, there's a part of like, you have to be in that process. <laughs> um, so just advertising now only on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google search, and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. uh, we can do Snapchat, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, I don't think that those are the most effective things to do right now for most businesses, unless they're an e-commerce platform. So mm -hmm. if you're, um, if you're doing e-commerce and you're selling something that's targeted towards maybe older women, something like that, you could do Pinterest, but then there's also like college girls I've seen on Pinterest too. So you could target them as well. But like, as far as finding a male audience on Pinterest, it's just like not going to happen. Twitter e-commerce is okay. Um, it's, it's kind of just like a sponsored tweet that'll show up in your feed and like maybe, but it's more just for branding. Uh, you know what I mean? And then Snapchat is actually really good for e-commerce. I will say that if you're, if you're selling a product online, that's like an actual product, like someone buys, not like a service, then you can sell it on Amazon with these little swipe up ads. And a lot of people will, will buy. Mm -hmm. um, eventually I want to get into Amazon advertising as well. And I'm giving a little bit of a secret away, but um, I think Amazon advertising is going to be a huge thing in the future and it works exactly like Google ads. So I have a speculation that I put out a while ago that since Amazon is like basically one of the biggest companies in the world now, I think that their biggest competitor is just now Google. And I think that they're going to make a move in the next couple of years to take out Google's search engine mm -hmm. and make their own. Um, and the way that the Amazon search engine is going to work is it's going to be fantastic for marketers and pretty much everybody because um, let's say, so when you go on Google, you type something in, you find someone's website and it's custom made. Like Google has no, you know, like uh, nothing to really do with it. It just puts it on their directory. Amazon, if they supplied you a website, like a sh like kind of how Shopify does, where you can just make your own little templated website. If they supplied you a website and then people can purchase from your website and you can also edit it. Like if they, if they put out a website builder, that's Amazon proprietary, then it's like, okay, all these websites can transfer over to Amazon websites. Not all of them. Like there's mm -hmm. certain websites of like Oracle or some big company that can't do that. But for most small businesses where a lot of Google takes their, uh, gets their ad revenue from, Amazon can make their own website builder platform and then you can be on Amazon all day and not have to do anything. Like, it's just like, you don't have to go to Google at all. It's just, if you want to uh, find a chiropractor, it'll just put like, you just type in chiropractor on Amazon and then 
a cert, like a, a profile will come up and you can click on that and view their little Amazon website. So that's just like a speculation. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it would be really smart for Bezos to do. Um, and then they can buy your service directly from Amazon because Amazon, you can buy home services, I think like contractors and stuff, but you can't buy like a lawyer or anything like that on Amazon. So it's like if they can, if they can capture that market, they're also going to get a little bit of it. So then they can get like a 0.05% on all these transactions and Amazon can even make whoa, more numbers, money. numbers. Whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah. whoa, Eric, whoa, numbers. I know, right? Anyways, okay. Thank you for being on the Allen Network. I really appreciate it. I think I learned some stuff about, you know, social media marketing for sure. Awesome. Um, that is, I'm, you know, that's basically where my audience is on Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. right now. So I'm yeah. trying to get into the YouTubers, but YouTubers. Oh, God, I sound so <laughs> old. <laughs> I'm trying to make my way over there. But um, can I give one tip? So I know, like you said, um, your podcast is a lot about self-development, right? Right. And we, we touch on a couple things by like my journey that can teach people about like self-development stuff. But I, uh, I'm kind of putting a pillar in the ground right now as far as my brand goes of like what I want to focus on with self-development. And not to sound like super like weird here, like it's like a bigger than it really is. But I think that this one thing is actually the key to self-development as yeah. a whole. Yeah. Um, so I just like I'll tell like a little story. So I think that identity is the number one thing in self-development because when someone like uh, just to give this example, if someone's not motivated to go do something right it usually comes back to like who they are as a person. If they're not motivated in, in one particular thing, sometimes they're just not motivated in general. So what they should really be focusing on is the foundation of who they are and then changing their identity to someone that is motivated and is disciplined and is focused and business oriented or whatever um, identity they want to craft for themselves. But I feel like people are too stuck on what identity they have now or they don't have an identity at all. They're mm -hmm. looking to Instagram to give them identity and that's just ridiculous. Yeah. So if you crafted your identity and you really sat down and almost kind of made like a character sheet, like it's as if you're like a script writer trying to write out a character, you put your what you currently are and what your vision is and then just kind of like mesh them together and be like, okay, this is my vision. I'm going to act like this from now on. And it's the same thing with like people on a diet. Like the reason why people fall off of diets is because they don't see themselves as that disciplined person or someone that even maybe deserves to be fit, right? So it's like if someone changes their identity, I think that's the key to self-development. I'm kind of putting like everything in that box. Um, and it's the hardest thing to do because it's the core foundational work. But I think that it like when you fix the inside, right? Some people just call that mindset. But I think it's like it's deeper than that. Like it's an identity of who you are. When they fix that, then it'll manifest itself on the outside and you'll basically do exactly what you want and you'll live up to like your yeah potential. I think it's definitely important to to for one find something that you're really passionate about mm. doing um, and then you know that's key because then you're motivated to do it you know I'm very passionate about podcasting yep. and I'm very passionate about talking to people so of course I'm motivated to do that now there are a lot of other things that I have to do that's you know involved with promoting this podcast mm -hmm are the things that I'm not so passionate about doing, but I am changing my mindset to know that I have to get those things done. Like they have to be done at this point in the game. Don't have, you know, the money to hire somebody else mm. to do those things. So now I got to learn how to do videos and stuff like that, that, you know, aren't as, I'm not as passionate about, but yeah. mindset, you know, and understanding that, yo, you got to be disciplined to do this kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to share that because I know that we didn't touch on self-development too well, much. Well, I think so. it's um, somebody once told me, they said, whatever you are doing in life as your career, it should be lined up with who you are and what you're passionate about. Yeah. 
So that has to do with identity, but it also has to do with, you know, like a, a lot of people aren't ready to do that soul searching and really finding out who they are as a person, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and uh, acknowledging that and owning up to their weaknesses and, and owning up to their traumas and, and, and digging in deep and fixing some things, you know, not everybody's uh, ready to do that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just, uh, I'm going to go to school, get a job and work, you know, and they're not necessarily doing what is lined up with them. Mm -hmm. You know, like I have a friend that went to UCLA, she graduated from Stanford, went to UCLA medical school, became a doctor, hated it. Not a doctor anymore, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's just like you're, you you gotta you gotta figure that out, and it's it takes a lot to to you know do that self work, mm -hmm. like and, and get involved and really get into knowing who you are and getting aligned with that stuff. So yeah, it's more like about subtraction than it is addition because like what the reason why it's so uncomfortable yeah is like if they just don't want to like look at that area of their life or whatever yeah. it is but it's more like they're always looking for what's the next motivational quote that i can think of <laughs> or what's the most like thing it's like no no no. you don't need more stuff you need less stuff you need to remove the barriers that are like stopping you or have like remove the obstacles from like your success or whatever it is um and that's that's like the identity portion where it's like if you just change your obstacles and just remove those barriers, you'll probably end up being successful or be up, you know, wherever you, you want to go. So, yeah. Appreciate you. For sure. I it was fun to uh, be on here. This went pretty long. I it enjoyed didn't it. go very long. I just looked over. I was like, Whoa, I didn't know. I like, realized we had really talked that long, but uh, uh, you're, you're a good talker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that uh, the people listening got a lot of value out of it. Cause yeah. like that's, that's how I just think, especially with my YouTube content or whatever I do. I'm like, if you just put out like good quality stuff, whoever's going to resonate with it is like going to, you know, be attracted to that. So it's like with my brand, I'm just going to put out my thing and kind of give my two cents on, on whatever my ideas are. And like, it's tough because doing, being exactly that doesn't always get the most um, views, right? Cause like, you know, the more mainstream kind of cookie cutter vanilla stuff is what gets a lot of views and gets a lot of people hyped up, but it's like, people don't want to hear identity or like these things that I'm talking about. So I'm going to talk about that. And hopefully the people that resonate that like should be there in my, my circle or that's my community. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's mm -hmm. exactly what the self-improvement, you know, the Allen network is about yep. and, you know, leaving, having to leave radio and then being in this space and, and talking about all the things that I want to talk about the things that I'm passionate about and the things yeah. that are lined up with who I am that are going to help people be better because you know, the way things are going right now, <laughs> it's just going to get tougher. You know, yeah. like the state of California, we are in trouble, boy. Oh yeah, We are in some big trouble. So things are just going to get harder, but I just want to, um, just whatever I can to make it easier. So social media, marketing is a big deal for a lot of people that I know that are just trying to build their personal brands yeah. or their p personal business. Mm -hmm. So that's why I want to have you on. Thank you so much, Eric Rabello. Give out your social media uh, website everywhere that people can find you so they can hire you and they can get on. I appreciate that. Yeah. So my YouTube channel is where I put the majority of my content. Uh, it's just youtube.com slash Eric Rebello, just spelled like that. On Instagram, uh, it's Eric and then the letter J Rebello. Mm -hmm. And then my website is just ericrebello.com. And then you can fill out like a thing on there if you want to talk to me with like a consultation call or whatever it is. And then, um, yeah, if you have any questions, like put them in the comments and me and Alanette can answer them. And yeah. then other than that, I just appreciate you having me on. It was super yeah. fun. All day. Thank you. Thank you. It's the Alanette Network. Yay. Yeah.